This is City on the Edge. City on the Edge. City on the Edge. City. The Edge. City on the Edge with Ty and Mike. Hello. Uh, welcome back to City on the Edge. This is our fourth official episode. Just real quick, Ty, what's this show called? The City on the Edge. Oh, <laughs> um, so Sorry. I'm uh, Ty yeah. Bannerman. Uh, I'm Mike Smith. Mike Smith. Hello. I uh, can talk to you about the the weirdness of the Southwest of mm-hmm. Albuquerque, and I think uh, the human experience overall. Mm-hmm. So, um, speaking of any Sounds any right. interesting human experiences for me? you lately? Let's see. Oh man, shoot! Let me let me think about this. I'll, yeah, I'll find something for sure. Oh well, let's see. I chased a guy through the streets. <laughs> yes, okay. This is the one. All right, why, why did you chase a guy through well, the streets? So I have this late night job, which is great for writing, because uh, yeah. I can basically sit for eight hours every night and just type. Pretty phenomenal. Um, and uh, But it's, it's sitting in this house where these disabled uh, guys sleep and just kind of making sure that they don't run out into the street and, and uh, you know, get into trouble. Anyway, yesterday for the first time, one of them ran out into the street and <laughs> got into trouble. <laughs> and you uh, one job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I like I uh, another staff member who had just shown up um, saw which way he had gone. So I jumped in my car and drove out and found him sitting at a bus stop. And then I went out there and uh, just kind of followed him in my car for a while as he like ran through the streets yelling at me. And so at some point, I was just trying to like you know keep it light. So I rolled my windows down and just started making up a song about what he was doing. Oh, <laughs> like, I was just like driving along, singing, he's walking through the streets, moving his hands and moving his feet, you know? <laughs> just, wow. And uh, basically just followed him for half an hour doing that. And um, yeah. So yeah, it was, I don't know. It's, I'm not sure if it's much of a story, but you it was- You caught him. Yeah, he ended up, he ended up just going home. He was so annoyed by me, and, which is like, which like, well, well, that's great. Now, maybe APD could take a page from your book and just irritate people instead yeah. of shooting like, them. You know, I, I want to give the guy his dignity and everything, but I also got to like make sure he goes home and like stays yeah. safe, and you know. So it's yeah, yeah. I was just about to read him an article on podcasting that my dad sent me. Thanks, Dad. I can see it. Like, there's a standoff with APD, and somebody's barricaded inside the right. house, and the APD's coming on the megaphone. They're right. like, "You need to come out, and we're going to ask you some questions that cross the line." They're just really irritated. We're going to we're going to go uh, into this megaphone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Come out. No, I mean, you know, my brother, my brother Jeff and I once picked up a hitchhiker who like began going into Vietnam flashbacks behind while oh. he was sitting in the bucket seat behind my brother who was driving. And we just started acting completely insane. And it scared the guy so badly. Like, it completely turned the tables. We had to, like, pry him out of the car at the end because he was just cowering into the seat. You know, I actually felt bad about it. Like, we gave him money. And, like, we were like, oh. we were like, we were like, sorry, man. We didn't mean to freak you out. But you were, like, getting really threatening. He was waving his hands oh, around no. my brother's neck. And, like, Jeez. you know, it, but it was... It, it's, it was a good, like, sibling chemistry moment, and then we both just knew, like, let's just go nuts. <laughs> let's the just... brothers Smith engage plan <laughs> 663. You know, drive this poor guy off, just like, what just happened? You know? Um, but I, I sometimes I think that can work, you know? A, a, a friend of mine once got, she was biking along, and someone just grabbed the handlebars and wrenched her off her bike, uh-huh. and who knows what would have happened next. It was not a good situation. And she was just so indignant and mad she got in his face and screamed at him like she was his oh, mother, yeah. basically. And this guy just scuttled away, oh, <laughs> like man. you know, like oh, that was it. Beautiful, you know. I, there's there's a power in that. Just in, in yeah, insanity, yeah. it's something uncontrolled and kind unexpected, of, you know. Yeah, being yeah. unexpected, breaking yeah. breaking some social rules yeah. or something, and yeah. just like yeah, yeah, I like that. I like yeah, that. It's, it's good stuff. So I uh, this weekend I went up to uh, Taos. Oh, nice. I went to the Taos, uh, the Rio Grande Gorge Bridge. Have you oh. been there lately? Uh, uh, lately, as in a few months ago, maybe. But Did you yeah. see the crisis, suicide crisis lines? Oh, no, but I saw your Facebook post. Yeah, right? That's that great. is a new yeah. thing there. They've got, like, um, Good. three of these boxes on each side of the bridge. Uh, uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, if, if you watch the movie Natural Born Killers, oh, there's yeah, a scene right. where they, yeah. I think they, uh, do they get married or something there? Mm, yeah, the two yeah. killers. There's and a few movies that use It's it, like yeah. a thousand Beautiful, foot drop. huge high bridge, yeah. Down yeah. into uh, down into like a sheer drop down yeah. into the Rio Grande rocks and everything all around, um, and you know you're just sitting there in the middle of this bridge feeling like you're uh, separate from 
I don't know, yeah. like everything. It's know. it's. W- would you say it's the top place in the Southwest that people commit suicide? I mean, it, it's, I don't have the statistics. Yeah, but I know it's that it's a there, popular right? one. It's up there, right? It's a, yeah. Yeah. Like people do it enough. Yeah. Um, that it has become a problem, and yeah. you know, you can see yeah. that if you. Yeah. Yeah. Dropped yourself off that bridge, you, you would be dead. Yeah, like that's, that's it. Do it. Um, you know, so they've yeah. they've installed these suicide hotlines good. on that's it now. Good. I think so. I like stuff like that, man. I think that's it's important, you know, because, you know, um, uh, Craig Ferguson famously called his novel uh, "Between the Bridge and the River" because he had heard a, an interview saying like that I immediately started to regret my decision between the bridge and the oh river. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you know? I mean, uh, and given that drop, you'd have some time to think about. Yeah, it, right? yeah, yeah. Um, uh-huh. People had a, the thing that I found kind of touching about it was people had taken a sharpie and written messages to their loved ones who had jumped uh-huh. off, and then also messages to people who were perhaps considering it. Things yeah. like, yeah, you know, please don't do it. Yeah, you know, and then, oh, interesting. Hey, Marie, we miss you every day. You know, this kind uh, of stuff. So heartbreaking. So very, yeah, very yeah. touching. I hadn't been up there before. Oh man, yeah. I, you know, you know, I have a sister that committed suicide, and I, I mean, yeah. that just is like, yeah, it's absolutely, it's it. Uh, I think everyone has the right to it, but I also think like it, it, it's just there's no telling the scars that leaves behind for families, you know, and, yeah. and friends and everybody. And I feel like yeah. I feel like the the impulsive suicides, you know, that's the that's the one you got to guard against the most. It's the people who, yeah. who make a really strong plan. I mean, you know what? If you if you've been thinking about it for a long time, yeah. and you, you know, maybe that's maybe that is your right. But the people who just pick up a handgun and yeah, it's just those know. dark moments when right. you're weak or something. Yeah, it's it's. It's I read an interesting statistic the other day about handgun ownership. Hmm. I wrote an editorial about this in the Alibi. But oh, one of the things that um, owning a handgun does is it triples your your risk of uh, of uh, suicide. Oh, I believe it, man. But, yeah, I've had nights where if I had one yeah. easy, who knows? But interestingly yeah. enough, it triples it regardless of whether you've had a past history of mental huh. illness or huh. suicidal ideation. It doesn't matter. That that oh, wow. has no bearing on whether or Whoa. not just having it around. Like, yeah. And I think it's because of the impulsivity back yeah. there. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's um I remember reading something that like uh China's suicide rate was out of control when they had easy access to pesticides and as those were beginning to be restricted, um they you know, the suicide rate went down just because yeah. it was like it was something that did it it makes did it, it, very quickly, it makes yeah. a yeah, very quick right. impulsive decision becomes yeah. a final one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas oh. if you uh, you know, slash your wrist or something, yeah. and it's not. It takes a while longer. You have yeah. more of a chance, and then, uh, yeah. and then afterwards, yeah. people don't go through with it. Right. Later on. Right. Anyway. Wow. Well, we started this one on a dark note. Right Hi, on. everyone. Hey, welcome to Dead Things <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm Genevieve. <laughs> and yeah, well, I, I wanted to ask you something. All right, um, so this is on topic. Okay. What, what? What? Do you have any plans for the big event? My, what, what we were just talking about suicide. What's this the, big event? The big event. <laughs> this big event is, is the end of the world. Oh, the end of the world. Oh yeah. Okay. So what, what do you think? You got you got plans for the end of the world? Uh, let's see here. Um, you know, uh, there's there's elements of it that appeal to me. You know, there's like for, for sure. Sometimes I look at the world and I think, yeah, that's good. <laughs> to, to finish it yeah, off. I think we got the idea so here. You're like, okay, we'll hit the reset button. Yeah. You know, I think we kind of peaked like I don't know a while ago. And uh, you know this is just like a, a kind of a too long coda, but, <laughs> but 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 um so I don't know um let me think about that. Well, yeah, I do have one plan, and that is okay. I want to, and maybe I've already done this. I don't know. I can't say. I, I think it'd be really cool to um, create like a bunker somewhere out in the desert. Yeah. You know, not like a bunker bunker, but like just a place where you have like secret stuff stored. You know, fuel. Okay. We're not water, food. We're talking like a pit. Yeah, like a pit that's like, yeah, it has like a, you, you cover, you, like a concrete block underground and you cover it over with dirt. And it's just got some things in it that like, if it all goes down, you can drive outside of town and stock yeah. up two or three times. And, you know, just, just have the things that, that you need there to, um, to kind of, you know, help yourself out in a difficult situation. Because you get like, through a short-term crisis yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, like and, yeah. Breakdown in infrastructure, right. social order for right. a little while. Right, right. You know, that said, like, um... I spent some time in Alaska and Canada, and I think I would head to northern Canada. I mean, yeah. I know it's cold, but, like, there's just nothing out there, man. If, <laughs> if people are going crazy and, like, killing everybody and taking everything that they have, like, yeah. I'm going to go to some place where people do that anyway, you know? <laughs> like, give each other <laughs> some space. But there's fewer of them, you Yeah, know? exactly, it's where, it's, like... where it's just, like, ten people in a hundred square right, miles or right. something. 
And, uh, you know, the, I think um, that would probably be the thing to do. Just, like, you know, yeah. get, if society's falling apart, like, go be outside of society. People are doing that right now. Right. You know, right. just, uh, I, I think that would be True. a good True. I mean, you know? if you're out in the on the mesa outside of Taos and your earth ship and yeah. you're self-sufficient in terms of electricity sure. and everything, it's not that big a deal. Right. If the power goes out for two weeks, exactly, yeah. And um, could it go badly? Yes, of course. Yeah, like this could all yeah. end and everyone frozen to death. But you know, necessity brings a lot about. You know, you, right, it's a, right. You can you you can uh, figure things out. And I've lived in the woods and desert before, and it seemed to work out. Yeah, you know? right. So right, right. yeah, uh, I think uh, yeah. for me, yeah. I think that two week period is kind of prime. Like if you could, um, fortunately, I think living in New Mexico, it's kind of like we're less likely to face. Like, I, I grew up in Houston, or outside of Houston, a little yeah. town called Seabrook, and you would have hurricanes from time to time, mm. and they would knock out the power mm. for two weeks, you know. So everybody had a cabinet full of canned goods and kind of some basic idea of what they would do if, if there were a hurricane. Here, our disasters are more like um, losing water and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Like, we're less likely yeah. to face a really, like, dramatic That'd be one. a big thing, yeah. I would think that... If we if we in Albuquerque face the kind of natural disaster uh, that would do in our city, you would just have to leave. Like if yeah. you ran out of water in yeah. Albuquerque, that would just be it. You yeah. Know? Or um, that makes sense. I don't know what else. Like yeah, you if, gotta... if there's a horrible wildfire situation, mm. I mean, you're just gonna have to lose your house up in the woods. I that's mean, that's true, just yeah. all there is to it. Yeah. You can't go hunker down there. Right. Right. Yeah. The other disasters, I guess, would be like man-made. Huh. Ones like if somebody dropped a nuclear bomb, right, right, Albuquerque. really severe environmental pollution, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and I don't know if that's Trump getting elected, <laughs> Trump getting you know, elected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I hope Code that's red. I hope that's beyond the realm of possibility. Oh, it's, it, I think it's not, but it, you know, uh, anyway, let's, it's a scary thought. Yeah, it's a, um, you know, you know, maybe uh, okay. So like, if a nuclear bomb got dropped, yeah. And you weren't in the blast zone. Right. Because if you're in the blast zone, you're just dead. Sorry, yeah. you just die. Yeah. So then that would be a breakdown of the infrastructure. And then it would probably be good to have some, uh, some canned goods, yeah. some water on hand. But oh, honestly, sure. yeah, yeah. like, yeah. you're not going to be able to make it much beyond yeah. the initial, like, survival period yeah. unless you manage to get out to a true. place that didn't get a nuclear bomb dropped on it. If I learned one thing from Cormac McCarthy's The Road, it's that you have to fill your bathtub up with water at the oh, beginning. Yeah, that absolutely. helps, you know, or have a swimming pool. Uh, do you remember Y2K? Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. Um, I remember that because that yeah. was our one precaution that we did. Mm -hmm. Well, I, there were probably some others, but my impression is as a kid one was that like I was I was at my grandmother's house yeah. on New Year's Eve the year 1999 wow. partying like it was 1999 right. which means I think we watched some James Bond films right, with grandma right, right, right. and then uh, yeah. grandma had filled up the bathtub with water yeah and that was it that was our big Y2K survival plan sounds about right hey it worked yeah. out great yeah. I'd say 100% yeah. on the money with that one grandma yeah yeah um, I remember yeah that was it's, it, that was interesting because that was such a cultural moment, particularly the time leading up to it, and yet I feel like we never talk about it. Like I've had five conversations about Y two K babies yeah, since then. Yeah, it's like you a know? weird. It just doesn't make any sense in retrospect. You know, you're like really like the, because yeah. we programmed our computers to have 19s yeah. frozen in place and mm. not the ability to change it to a 20. Yeah, that meant society was going to fall apart. Yeah, and. You, yeah, I guess it kind of like there were some repercussions it, and things, but it wasn't yeah. like. A, I mean, I remember thinking, the uh, the dams are all going to open their floodgates, which that's cool. Free the yeah. rivers. Um, the prisons were going to open their doors, and actually, the Y two K sounded pretty good in a lot of ways. <laughs> you know, like major reform across the board, except that like nuclear bombs were just going to get launched wildly yeah, in every direction. Be a, all sorts of things were going to happen. You know, like chaos a Terminator in the streets. scenario yeah. for some reason. I was living out in the desert in a canoe on Lake Powell at the time, and uh, doing my big seven month canoe trip. Someone knocking on the glass trying to get our Yeah, they're just yeah. emphasizing okay. their points upstairs. Uh, um, um, and uh, and I remember, like, my only contact with the outside world at the time was looking at the water level of Lake Powell and realizing the dam hadn't given way and <laughs> and uh, and um, listening to solar-powered radio. That was the night Boris Yeltsin resigned as <coughs> president of Russia, and I was listening to, like, the Art Bell show, oh, you know, okay. Coast to Coast AM awesome. with Art Bell, and everyone was like, this is a sign, the global, you know, situation Informed commentary on Art Bell. Oh, I know, yeah, as always. <laughs> and... and um, 
Yeah, so it was kind of, it was anticlimactic, you know? Like, it's, you know. Yeah. Obviously, these scenarios appeal to us on some level because look at pop culture. It's like every zombie movie is yeah, kind yeah. of a fantasy it's all about, about that. If, if, every, if all the rules break, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, yeah. Which, will uh, you be the resourceful one that lives or will you be immediately dead? Of course, you'll be the resourceful one that lives. You know, that's everyone yeah. has that fantasy. Yeah, I'll definitely be the one. Yeah. Shooting the zombies, not one of the yeah. sh- shambling corpses. Yeah. Speaking of which, hmm. I went to a. Um, a preppers convention, a preppers uh, trade show. Oh, nice, nice. This is a doomsday preppers, people who are preparing mm-hmm. for the apocalypse a few weeks back. Nice, and, nice. Uh, at the Albuquerque uh, Fairgrounds. I remember this. I was jealous. I wanted to go. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I have a little little thing about it. Shall we uh, yeah, segue on into it? Yes, play it. Okay. You hear this. is always just around the corner. It lurks eternally somewhere we just can't see, waiting to spring out at us and destroy the lives we take for granted. And the truth is that someday it will happen, whether in a sudden dramatic cataclysm, an asteroid plummeting to Earth, say, or a wave of solar fire washing over the planet, burning it to a blackened crisp in seconds, or by slow degrees, a choking rise in temperatures leading to war and disease, an economic collapse rendering the systems by which we live into arbitrary absurdities. The point is this. Everything you know and everyone you love is vulnerable. That's just a fact. The defining question, though, is what do you do with that certainty? If you're like most of us, you spend your life not really thinking about the fragility of existence. After all, you've got bills to pay, kids to take care of, TV shows to watch, Besides, if catastrophe were to happen suddenly, what exactly could you do about it? For others, though, the idea of that kind of disruption is very much a question for the here and now. There are certain situations where a stockpile of a few weeks' worth of food could make the difference between death and survival, and where a means to filter water becomes a matter of life itself. And then there are those who believe that a stash of gold and an armory of guns will be essential in establishing a new social order in the aftertimes. At the Prepper Expo USA, which took place in the Creative Arts Building at Expo New Mexico in Albuquerque on the weekend of October 24th, representatives of all varieties of the Doomsday Inclined were on hand. Men and women, mostly middle-aged and above, wore fatigues and t-shirts that read, Patriotism Isn't Illegal, and browsed tables filled with gleaming bullets and military surplus gear. Knives, camping equipment, water filtration systems, and even heirloom seed kits abounded. Posters for zombie-themed television shows hung from partitions between booths, and mannequins decked out in military-grade armor and weapons leaned against pillars. After I paid my $8 for entry, the door attendant handed a raffle ticket for a free acre of land in Moriarty to me. What kind of land is it, I asked. And in answer, he pointed to a nearby booth with yellow balloons. With little other direction, that was my first stop. Beneath the balloons, several computers were set up showing patches of arid-looking land. After I'd browsed for a few minutes, a woman came over and introduced herself as Shar the Explorer, the owner of smile for You Land Sales, a company focused on selling small parcels of land in Colorado, New Mexico, and Nevada. This was Shar's first experience at a Preppers Expo, too, and she seemed to be having a great time. And you're Shar the Explorer, Yeah. the yeah. name I just saw over there. So Shar the Explorer found out yesterday with the apocalypse, what's that word? Um, apocalypse? The zombie apocalypse is. So oh. we're driving home last night, I'm like, my daughter Amber, I'm like, you know, mom's stupid, she's old, right? So yeah, yeah. Like, okay, Amber, man, what, one more time, what is the apocalypse again? She's like, you know, she's, I said, oh, okay, so like Ebola's coming, you want a place to go hide, I get it. And so, uh-huh, you're um, So as I'm here, these are my customers, right. I certainly hear from these people all day long, I love to talk to my customers, I'm on mm-hmm. the phone. All day long, I talk to people. There, there is such a movement across America yeah. to live rurally, and for different reasons, though. I mean, not mm-hmm. everybody's the same. So when, um, when uh, they called me and said, "Hey, Shar, would you want to be a vendor at a prepper show?" 
this is my first time ever. Uh, mm-hmm. Just saying so some of that. Should these kind of people scare anybody? Yeah. Are, should they? What do you think? <laughs> I'm, you're the scariest person. The scariest person. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Meanwhile, a crowd had formed in front of a stall across the aisle where a number of small metal cages sat on a folding table. A banner on the partition behind announced the ultimate pocket pet. I walked over. The ultimate pocket pet turned out to be a sugar glider, a tiny marsupial that looks like a cross between gizmo from gremlins and a flying squirrel. Standing behind the table was a large, imposing man with the demeanor of a retired high school football coach. When the crowd thinned out a bit, I sidled my way in front of him and asked why he had brought his animals to sell at a show that was all about the end of the world. This is the most unexpected group so far. I, I wonder uh, what brought you here to the Pressures Expo. Well, basically, we we have several friends that have PTSD. Okay. Soldiers that come back from the army with PTSD, and what we found out is these little animals uh-huh. completely take away the anxiety oh that they get with PTSD. That makes sense. People with high blood pressure, blood pressure. Them down. That's what what I got involved with them seven and a half years ago. I had high blood pressure, and the doctors couldn't stabilize my pressure. I found these little guys, and immediately my pressure goes down and starts to get better control. Right. So a small animal like this is just absolutely the best thing for for a soldier or PTSD or or, or a general person. Yeah, yeah. Something unusual, something that nobody has. Right. You know. Right. Uh, they're not gonna. They're not gonna proliferate the United States because the females only have one baby a year. Oh, really? Okay. So it's not. Yeah. Uh, they're they're not. Uh, yeah. Very soft. Just take your whole hand. Curled his head right there around his tail around his head. That is the most adorable thing I've ever seen in my life. They are the greatest little pets. But we kind of got involved in the prepper shows and stuff because there's a lot of soldiers. Sure, it makes sense. Yeah. And stuff, and a lot of them, like the guy right across the booth over here, uh, he has, he, he's a soldier with these babies. And, uh, and stuff, and I, I let him hold one and he just melted. Yeah, how could you not? We chatted about the creatures for a few more minutes. He told me the one in his hand was named Tribble, that they were fairly hardy and that they wouldn't go feral and infest the U.S. because they only have one baby a year. By that time, the crowd was growing again, so I said goodbye. I walked by some booths selling exotic ammunition, including shotgun shells that would burst into flame when they hit a target. A man selling military surplus gear let me hoist a bazooka to my shoulder, and then sold me a pamphlet on how to say important phrases in Arabic like drop to the ground and surrender. Most of the people I spoke to seemed to take a similarly general be-prepared attitude, but a few offered up a more specific set of worries. One of these was a man whom I'll call Eugene, an energetic older fellow in a Panama hat. He was charismatic and obviously intelligent. I ran into him in the line for the seed bank, where he was vigorously discussing the pros and cons of a zombie apocalypse. I mean, zombies would be cool, he announced. Sure, I said, but not very likely. What do you think could actually happen to bring about the end of the world? He wheeled toward me and fixed his intense blue-eyed gaze on me. Yeah, okay. And poor man's gold. What is poor man's gold? Farms. 
Ah, okay. He has firearms. Makes, that makes sense. Yeah, that, that does make sense. Any food acquisition and so forth? No. No? Protecting yourself from those who are rapacious. Ah, okay. The every man on the street reaction yeah. is food storage, prepping, right, and getting yourself at least one or two firearms. Right, okay. And that's... Period. Having a bug out plan, having your own medical kit, knowing how to use it. Right. Where you take the, in the medical kit, you have the book, and you go, okay, well, this is how we put this on. You're going right, to waste right. a bunch of bandages just doing it. Yeah, yeah. But... So basically you just basic self-sufficiency. No, like no, 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 no. Okay. You and I, no matter how well prepared we are, uh -huh. can never be self-sufficient. Okay. Ever. Don't let that don't let them sell you that shit. Okay. That is absolute bullshit. Okay. Can't call it anything else. Okay. You and I cannot be self-sufficient. Uh -huh. Yeah. The self-sufficiency lifespan. Mm -hmm. Two years. That's before people can be self-sufficiency. No, self -sufficiency? that's your lifespan. Oh, to be I see. Okay, I see. seriously, twenty-two right. years. Right. You have no idea how hard that is. Yeah. Okay. That's ranching. That's farming. That's cattle. That's right. Gods. Digging your own wells, etc. So, what would be the the only way we can become insulated? Mm -hmm. Is on, excuse me, on a local level here. On a local level. Okay. So in Albuquerque? So. You're still thinking too big. Local okay. level, you're thinking neighborhood. Okay. You're thinking your next door neighbors right, right. around you. Mm -hmm. That is your community. Okay. The only way you're going to be self-sufficient is being able to protect your family. Number okay. one. Number one. Okay. Feed your family an emergency food for, for a short term. Right. Short term, you're looking Short term. Okay. two weeks at the outside. Right, right, okay. Maximum two weeks. It's canned food, whatever in the... Yeah, yeah. canned food, freeze-dried. Right. Having this stuff to grow, start... Yeah. Because the emergency food is only there so you can get you through a period so you can start growing. Right, right. That's all it's for. Sure. Or begin to acquire assets to pull food and resources in. And water, you've got to have water of at least a gallon and a half per person per day. Period. Okay. And a way to protect yourself. Right. Be it. And here's the thing. And this is a sad statistic. Most people buying knives. Yeah. Buying the, the firearms. Uh, going to the gun stores and buying that. And, you know, yeah. They're too afraid. Sure. I, I can sympathize. They're too afraid. Right. They're too afraid to take the knife out and stick it in somebody, twist it, <laughs> jerk it out, and drop them and walk away. Right. Yeah. Like I said, I can sympathize. That Most people, awful. if they draw a knife, they're going to go stab. Yeah, sure. That's not going to kill a person. It's not going to stop a person. Right, right. It's not. Okay. They are not ready or willing or ready to go stab, twist, yeah. maybe break it off, maybe jam it in, walk away, leave them bleeding. Yeah. That cannot be sewn up. That cannot be stopped. Right. If it's my life or theirs, I'm going to live. Okay. Most it's tough, because that's like a, that's that's an utter breakdown in the social contract, you know? It's like... <laughs> if hyperinflation happens, it's what you're looking at. Okay. Period. Right. Because our society, unfortunately, is a Walmart society. Okay. What is that? What do you mean? Walmart society. Walmart, Sam's Club, Costco, Target. Uh-huh. Big box. Big boxes. Okay. Where you walk in, anything you want's there. Right. You pick it up, you walk out. You pay right. for it, you walk out. Okay. Ready availability, instant gratification, instant right. satisfaction, instant fulfillment of need. Okay. Which also is based around food stamps and welfare. Sure. The average welfare and food stamp recipient, when this happens, is going to look at their welfare check of like a hundred bucks and go, I can buy this. Yeah. 
have to feed my family. Right, right. They're going to... And, and this is a stereotyping, I'm sorry. Okay. But unfortunately, you read sociology, stereotypings are 90% correct. Okay. Sorry, but they are. You're going to have Ferguson. Yeah. Ferguson material. So, so like the Wilayats explode. Right. Right. And it will explode here. Right. Right. We talked about firearms for a few minutes after that and his vision of how the communities of Albuquerque would come into conflict, but my heart was no longer in the conversation. As I walked away, I decided I'd had enough of the end of the world and I left the expo. Truthfully, I was shaken to the core by what he had described and I wondered if his nightmarish vision was possible. Did I need to buy a gun to protect my family? Would I have to stab, twist, and walk away in order to survive? The scenario he described had started out so reasonable, although my lack of economic knowledge meant that I couldn't poke holes in his assertions without doing some research of my own. But at some point, his tone had changed. He suggested that the biggest danger would be his fellow man, that unless one were willing to kill in order to protect oneself, survival would become impossible. That unsettled me. Do I need a gun, I wondered again. Certainly, I accepted the possibility that society could be disrupted, though I do not pretend to know when that might be or how. But if it did, would my neighbors turn into my enemies? I couldn't accept that. And I wondered if that might be at the root of my differences with this man and others like him. Because I knew that if I found one morning that the government had collapsed or that the country's infrastructure had been destroyed, that I would not take up a weapon. Instead, I would seek to help and be helped by my fellow Albuquerque citizens. Eugene, on the other hand, would take up arms and seek to preserve himself against them. Whose path would be correct? I don't know. Maybe I was naive and would find myself unable to survive. But I also wondered if someone like Eugene would become the very kind of person that he was most afraid of. I thought back to the man with his sugar gliders, who came to the show not to sell items for protecting and defending, but rather pets that theoretically could help those in need. True, peddling sugar gliders is probably not a survival skill in a post-apocalyptic world, and maybe my desire for community would be similarly useless. But I wondered if maybe trying to do good now, to protect and help others in our community today, might go some way toward making life better, even after a world-shaking disaster occurred. I hoped so, because the alternative is a world that might not be worth saving. So you're gonna buy a sugar glider? Well, you know, I need to be prepared. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, pretty sure I'm gonna have PTSD after whatever's gonna happen. I think I might have it now. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think so too. Well, you know, in the DSM-5, there's ordinary PTSD, which is not connected to a specific trauma, but rather to just like a lifetime of like numbing experience. The horror of being alive. Yeah. You know, in the Sartrean existential, yeah, yeah, nightmare of li- of living, and. Um, and uh, you know so yeah I think we all have that to some degree man you know it's just especially like living in these completely unnatural environments like I mean this has like never been there's never been anything like a city of 500,000 people how many people live here 500,000? I think think about half something yeah yeah, we should know that since our podcast is about Albuquerque the greater metropolitan area yeah about 500 yeah I saw 900 in an article once I don't think that's right but there's like a million and a half in the whole state yeah yeah okay um, yeah, I mean, I, I uh, yeah. every time I listen to that, I want to buy a sugar glider. Yeah. Every time I read it or they're write really it or cute. They're, incri- they're the cutest things <laughs> on earth. I don't <laughs> necessarily think people should own them. Right, right. I, uh, yeah. I don't know that that's such a great thing, but they are incredibly yeah. cute. I read a, like a, f- a fact, maybe that fact is in quotes, 
that like no new animal has been domesticated in 300 years or something, and it seemed like a challenge. Yeah, you know? like well, we I wonder need... about that. Like, <laughs> what is what is domestication mean? That that's true. Yeah, I mean, some of these animals were literally created. Like some, I mean, if you talk about a breed of dogs or something like that, some of them are like 150 years old, right? Right. And a lot of them are less. Um, what about this other guy, uh, Eugene, who's ready to stab people and twist and? Uh, oh man. What do you think? You think he's Freaky, got a point? Man. Um, you know, I, I think, um, I think if you, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. I think it's, it's yeah. just, it's one way of being, I mean, I think there, if, if society collapsed, there would be people like that, but there have always been people like that. You look at the old West, there were sure. bandits who like the law was the gun, but then there were people who were like, you know what, let's make a town and make it right, nice right. and like get along and have businesses and like have yeah. leisure time and like enjoy our lives. And, you know, I mean, I, I think there's going to be every kind of person after society falls, just like there's every kind of person now. And then sure. there will be society again if we haven't completely squandered the whole planet's resources, you know? I guess his but, point is that the bad people, yeah. you know, and, and let's just assume that the bad people stay yeah. bad and the good yeah. people stay good. Yeah. But suddenly the bad people don't have... The strictures yeah. of the law and order and the threat of uh, justice against yeah. them, so they they start pillaging. Yeah, and, you know all that. Yeah. What do you, I mean? Do you think that's? I don't know. Well, I, you know, here's my thought. So, like, so I think so much of what we do is um, is evolutionary, like in that, like. We don't even know why we do it necessarily, but we're driven right. to do it. We're driven to reproduce. We're driven to stay alive. We're driven to do all these things. And sometimes, like, these things can be really dark and negative, and we can recognize that and not do them, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I've heard people argue that, like, rape has an evolutionary value. Passing on your genes, that's right, awful. Right. It's a horrible thought. And Randy, uh, uh, Randy Thornhill from UNM, actually, oh, really? uh, was a major proponent of that back in the, um, the late 90s. Yeah. He was an evolutionary biologist, yeah. which is, you know, fine. Yeah. Um, and he was saying that because this has a, has a reproductive aspect, mm -hmm. that it is a reproductive tool. Interesting. Well, and, you know, it's just a reductive argument. You can make that argument, but you could also make the argument that, like, if you are a rapist, you're not going to be included in a tribe or a group or any sort right. of a, sort of a protective larger unit that could keep you right. alive, you right. know? And... Uh, and so, like, I think you can make the case both ways. But I also think, regardless, who cares? Don't do that. Yeah, you know, no, absolutely. And and, absolutely. Uh, and I think one thing that we that is also evolutionary is this intense desire to stay alive at all costs. Yes. And I kind of think, like, I don't know that I'm going to be like that. I think there are situations where people would say, like, you know, do this or you die. And I'd just be like, yeah. I, okay, whatever, man. Like, life is okay, but I did that. <laughs> like, like, and, yeah. uh, you know, so... so uh, I, I like to think that given those situations, like if I have to just be like murdering people all the time to stay alive, right. then I'm going to, you know, maybe not make that such a priority. You know, it, it, who, like, why is that so important? What, like, you have to <laughs> just keep staying alive to stay alive so you can own guns and own knives and like, you know, yeah. have things. I don't, I mean, you know, that's, I don't know. Maybe there's something impressive about that. We like it in movies that fierce drive to exist, but. Right, right. But I, I think, I'm inclined to think that the desire to work with one's community and other human beings is going to be an, an overriding like that's that's going to make the difference in hmm. success and survival Yeah, not yeah. like a willingness to go out and start shooting people yeah. and taking their stuff those people aren't going to make it very long mm -hmm. because other people are going to get together yeah. and not allow them to happen right. so like why, why are we emphasizing the ones who are scary versus right. the ones who are right who are working positively. Who would you rather know during those times? Like yeah. a group of 20 people that all have each other ba each other's yeah. back or 20 families? Or, Whether or not you know, they have weapons. Families? I think, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like, remember the time we got arrested and we were in that police car? <laughs> and, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. And we were in the van and we were talking, when they were loading us up to take us out to the jail or whatever. This was like for trespassing, you guys. Don't jump to conclusions <laughs> listening. Um, and, uh, and, and conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. Conspiracy to trespass. And we were talking with everybody in there, like, and we got to know everybody, and we were like, look, you guys, we don't know yeah. what's going to happen in this holding cell, but let's, like, all be cool and, like, you know, help each other out, whatever yeah. happens. You know, if someone goes crazy and is mean or whatever, like, let's all stand together. And everybody was, like, kind of comforted by that, I thought. I felt I like I felt so. better, you know? And I think even uh, kind of the more dangerous-seeming people yeah. in those situations Yeah, there was the were, one guy, the wife beater, that like, yeah, killed someone with a hammer yeah, or something. He was... Not in that. I mean, you but. are in a sort of communal <laughs> situation there. Like, you don't want to go hang out with these people, yeah. but, like, you're all you're all in it together, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know? I, I, I also think, 
that's a cool thing about humans is that we tend toward that a lot of times, you know? Like, I, I hope that we do when those situations happen, you know? So here's my, uh, here's my story about that. When I was, uh, gosh, this was 1986, so I must have been 10 yeah. or 9, in, Houston, in a, a little suburb of Houston, Texas called Seabrook, um, Hurricane Alicia hit, okay. knocked out power, wow. um, knocked out, you know, there wasn't running water for a while and so forth. It was about two weeks without the power. And this is a place where hurricanes hit, so people have stored up food and everything. Um, and they got through it. And, uh, it, you know, it wasn't like there were looters crawling. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was probably some, but they weren't everywhere. You know, you didn't have to start, like, standing guard outside your house or anything. But what happened was, like, um, the McDonald's... Eh, here's the plug for McDonald's. Yeah. Um, the McDonald's down the street from us, like, their freezer was broken, so they started cooking up hamburgers for everybody. Oh, and they, great. like, provided uh, wow. their remaining ice for people to take home and so forth. This is like was a little like, local business there in Seabrook? McDonald's, <laughs> McDonald's hamburger huh. shop. Huh. Um, but it, it, was, it was a very affirming time for uh, me. And then later see. on, like, like, okay, so, like, you look at a Katrina, which mm. I think is, is a go-to example yeah. for people who are kind of scared of... Yeah their neighbors and there are stories about people doing terrible things but a lot of those people who were doing terrible things who were, were people who were so scared of others mm-hmm. you know that they weren't willing to like I don't know they, they weren't um, willing to trust their neighbor a bit so they were out there taking pot shots at people as they if they came too close wow. and there were you know wow. a thousand stories of people helping each other yeah. and a few stories of people hurting each other you yeah know, that, that's kind of my take on maybe it. that's just statistical right there you know you're good no, you're, you're so. gonna always have that um, yeah, and, I, and I've heard so many stories like that. I mean, I've heard awful stories that are the opposite of these also. Yeah. But, like, my friend Lisa Walden, who uh, manages UNM Bookstore, or used to anyway, I'm not sure if she still does, um, she, uh, she told me about, uh, like, running a little movie theater at the time, and they just played the same movie over and over again. I'm trying to remember what it was. Something like Death Becomes Her or something like that. <laughs> they, just, like, they just played the same movie over and over again during a hurricane and made it like the central gathering place yeah. where people could go to get warm and get out of it all and like not think about the fact that their house just got flattened. And, you know, I'm like, I think that's great, man. I, like, yeah. you know, it's, that stuff like that gives me hope. And I feel like, you know, regardless of what other people do, we can't control that. We can't right. control that, but we can, you know, agree that, like, hey, let's be civil to the end. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, let's, uh, right. let's treat each other well and, like, remember that we're all... We're all, you know, humans in this together. I feel like we miss the biggest opportunity when the U.S. landed on the moon. This might sound tangential, but this is this is connected. I think we should have planted an Earth flag no, and, and, and said, like, you know what? Yeah. You thought we were in a race, Russia, but we're humans, man. We're like, we're having, we're doing this all. Year. I think that would have been a symbol that would have resonated across decades. That's brilliant, actually. You know, I think about yeah. this all the time, and and like, and uh, you know, it's just like. You know, because that's ultimately, like, we are. We're kind of like, you know, one big group that's trying to figure this out. And we're kind of doing a bad job of it overall. But, like, we, we have yeah. good we have good intentions, I think, overall. And Is certainly it? in some sort of society-crumbling scenario, we cease to become Americans yeah. or whatever. Like, we become yeah. people in the same area yeah. struggling to survive. Yeah. I remember after 9-11, I was in, in Canada at the time. And uh, I remember seeing this sign that said, God bless America. And it was totally different, you know, because it was it wasn't like you know God bless us. Yeah. It was it was like compassion hey, neighbor, them. you yeah, know. Yeah, like yeah. And it, I remember that was like the only time I've ever been moved by that phrase. Where I just nice. felt like it was someone, someone like, you know, caring about someone else instead right. of like being a sort of selfish expression that it, that it often is, you know, you know. So what do you think about um, New Mexico and the end of the world? Do you, do you feel like? Oh, man. I wonder. I. I sometimes feel that it's it's a more pressing thought here than other places I've lived. Well, you know, V.B. Price has that great book, A City at the End of the World, which we referenced and yeah. kind of ripped our name off from. <laughs> um, I think maybe it's New Mexico and the end of the world. I mean, we, I think it's on our minds here a lot because of we invented the technology to end the world here. Right, so we, and, <laughs> the atomic bomb right. invented right here And who here knows in what else Kirtland and Sandia are doing. All, uh, yeah. And continuing to, yeah. to design and yeah. develop uh, various weapons. I um, toured Kirtland Air Force Base once and I saw robot arms making machine guns on tank treads. I don't know what that was, but that was going on there. <laughs> you know, like, whoa, right, where right, are these right. getting sent? I've never even seen a picture of these. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah. And uh, agents are going to show it to my house now. I'm probably yeah, not well. supposed to talk about that. But, um, yeah, you know, I, 
I think maybe it'll be like, uh, you know, when economic recessions and depressions happen, New Mexico's always like, yeah, we, yeah, we know about that. We've been living in that right. for a hundred years, us in Mississippi, you know? Um, one, of the, one of the things that I uh, read about um, New Mexico's history during the Great Depression was it wasn't, it wasn't that it affected New Mexico less. Hmm. It's just that we were already at such a low point yeah. to begin with yeah. that it seemed less stark in comparison. Right. But, you know, we we're a, a pretty agrarian, sustainability or su- mm. self-sufficiency-based yeah. kind of economy anyway. Interesting. That when the Depression hit, yeah. it wasn't so bad. And the same thing, I think, with the housing crisis. Yeah. Like, even though it wasn't great here in yeah. 2010, sure, it wasn't anything like Phoenix or Yeah, we were Los already Angeles. broke. We were already scraping by. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... Yeah, exactly. And if you look at, like... Uh, People have done studies or statistics on, um, not statistics, but I don't know, clickbait articles okay. about like what what uh, <laughs> same thing maybe? what states would be like the best to be in in the uh, zombie apocalypse. And New Mexico is always like at the top. Oh, really? Because everything's so spread out. Oh, that helps. Yeah. And it's like a, a sudden loss of uh, infrastructure, um, a sudden need to get away from humanity mm. and so forth. Yeah. Wouldn't be as dramatic. Yeah. here as it would be in like New York City or something you know like we've got a million and a half of the whole state yeah. spread out over an area that's larger than, than New York State by a, a good true. degree yeah. New York City has eight times our population right. in an area that's like squished down mm-hmm. um, so maybe it's kind of like we're already living here at the end of the world it is a little bit you know I mean oh, it's crazy man this is a it's a very I think we're having a very unique experience living in this city really like I, I think like not everyone understands, like, you know, I think of Justin St. Germain's book, um, Son of a Gun, you know, about growing up in Tombstone, Arizona, and how there's just no clear dividing line between the violent tombstone of the past and uh, the, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the violent tombstone of the present in which, uh-huh. like, you know, his poor mom gets murdered. And, and um, you know, I, there's a... There's, I think that's kind of how we are now. I mean, we have this, like, there's, like, this... I, I, the other day I was thinking about just like all the violent things I'd seen here in town mm-hmm. and all the sad things and stuff and it was like there were like 50 things I'm like yeah. I've been like first on several crime scenes I've been I, I've seen just so much depressing bleak stuff and everything like that and I think it's just cause like do you think meant, it's different than other places or well I think you have it in New York and so on but like it's yeah. it's weird because we're almost in a natural setting here I mean yeah right now we're sitting next to a brewery at the intersection of Carlisle and the freeway yeah. but like the uh you know, all around us is wild desert. You fly right, in here, and right. there's just darkness on every side. It doesn't take long. When I lived in New York, I didn't have a car, of yeah. course, so that makes a difference. But the feeling was that the city that was all around me was reality. Like, there wasn't mm. an easy way to escape it. Mm. And even if you did, if you if you took the PATH train or whatever to New Jersey, mm-hmm. like, it was kind of more city, more and more city there. I mean, eventually, obviously, you, you get out. But here, I feel like it's a much more, like... Within 40 minutes, you and I could be in a ghost town. Oh, I a love A place it. where civilization once was flourishing yeah, yeah. and completely collapsed. Yeah. And it's gone now, and yeah. now it's like the, the wreckage of mm-hmm. uh, those who came before. Beautiful wreckage, yeah. That's true. Um, and the same thing with the uh, the Anasazi or mm-hmm. ancestral Puebloan yeah. Yeah, ruins, yeah. you know? Right. Like, you can see the evidence of nature oh, I reclaiming. Love it. I love it. All around us. It's amazing. I love it, yeah. It's yeah. just the watch. Yeah, I mean... You know, yeah, and of course it all just becomes so much more beautiful too when you we have that distance between you and and what it was actually like. You know, take away the actual you know gross humanity of right. it all and and just have like this this idea that lasts. You know, like pottery shards on the ground and right, right. you know m- mounds where where buildings had once been. And I was driving downtown today and I was thinking about if Albuquerque collapsed, and I, I think it would be like a, a water situation. It's mm. probably the most likely yeah. thing, right? Like we run yeah. out of water here, and that's something that we're always that's another reason that I wonder if, like, maybe it's it's a pressing thought in New Mexico, oh, yeah. even though we don't face a lot of the, like, more dramatic kinds yeah. of natural disasters. Yeah. Like, the ones we do face are maybe more permanent. Mm. Like, we run out of water. That's just it. Yeah, like, you can't live in yeah. Albuquerque anymore. Sorry. Yeah. Like, now without a huge investment in pumping water from yeah. somewhere else. And it's... City would contract dramatically. Yeah. It would be it would be small to non-existent. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. like you can you can drive down. It's like you can see the streets filled with with dirt again. You know, and the, the buildings being empty and and Whoa. everything. And it wouldn't look that different. <laughs> yeah, you know, Maybe. yeah. 
I mean, the infrastructure would crumble. You'd have bridges falling down and, yeah, and so yeah. on. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's a, like, man, there are times when the dust storms come howling in here and it's like the streets start to oh fill gosh. up with dust and yeah. everything. It's like, I've seen that, oh. you know? Or a few years ago when everything was on fire all the time. Mm. You remember that? I really thought, like, something was changing. I thought, yeah, like, like, like maybe we can't live here. Like, <laughs> you know, I, like, I remember just being out on the front lawn and my kids are swinging and running around and there's just ash yeah. raining down everywhere. Brown, <laughs> brown sky. The, the, the sun is like the a flat red disc. of a sun. Yeah. yeah. You know? oh, oh, man. It was, it was so apocalyptic. It just felt like, you know, like intelligent apes would be walking around the corner like yeah, hunting us. Or oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, <laughs> it, it sort of seems like it's closer in right. some ways. That, like at Houston or something, I always... It's it's harder to picture for me in a way. Yeah. I mean, I know you know it, it could certainly happen, but it's it's not like you deal with that reality yeah. from time to time like yeah. you do here. Oh man, craziness. Yeah, I don't. You know, I think about this stuff, but I feel like, you know, on one level we 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 think about that here, but also everyone here is so you know concerned with subsistence level stuff. Not everyone. There's uh, Tanawan yeah. exists, and there's <laughs> and class the class system exists, but like. A lot of the city is just barely getting by. Yeah. You know, it's it. We're paycheck to paycheck. I know I pretty much am most Shit. of the time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and um, you know, so we're we have that where it's like, okay, if the world ends, it'll be a little worse than it is now. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> the uh, yeah, but it's like the, you're kind of, kind of seeing like <laughs> it would be a realistic thing for you to have like a. Yeah. Your bunker, yeah, yeah, with the stuff in it. Like you could drive out there. I guess we just sound nuts. Uh, well, <laughs> in one of like I see ghosts, I but I don't believe it goes. I don't know. This one, I'm like, oh, that's right. <laughs> that's what they. Have. We need Morrow interrupting us more. Oh, we do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We gotta re- record the next one where she's around. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. It's it's a. Uh, I do think about this stuff, and it, and on one level, it's like, you know, every story should have an end. You know. <laughs> Like, and it will. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, but also, humanity will come to its end. It's true. But also, everyone has always thought this. There's some really wonderful books about uh, the history of millennial fears and, like, the end yeah. time fears and stuff. One's right. called The End of Time. I recommend it. Um, and, uh, you know, people have always been concerned about this stuff. Oh, no, it's the year 1000. The world is <laughs> over. You know, Jesus is coming back and we're all done. <laughs> it's the year 33 AD. Like, you know, it's the same age or whatever. Right, you know, right. Like, uh, every you know everyone has or uh, 66 AD I think that was it 66 AD yeah because yeah, 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 it was 33 years after the, you know and um, and so on and so on or in the 1800s people were announcing this stuff all the time you know Ben Carson's church like yeah, yeah. when their ascension robes and stuff like that date after date Jesus that's is coming back you know yeah. and um, and uh, you know that stuff is is uh, it, you know it's always been around we've always worried about this stuff and you know, so far we've always been wrong. Now the stakes are higher. We At have, some point we'll be right. Yeah, yeah. But the satisfaction that yeah. we get from feeling that will be minimal because we'll all be dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's true. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, death in itself doesn't scare me. I like, I would love for the world to go on and to figure things out yeah. because I feel like we've come so close so many times, you know? Like, how nice would it be to just, like, figure out clean energy and figure out oh, like yeah, that yeah. we don't have to have poverty and inequality and like, <laughs> like and war an and answer. yeah you know it's like you know what? we have enough food that maybe we don't need to dump shiploads of grain in the ocean oh, right gosh, now yeah. because it would do something to the economy with numbers like what <laughs> there's starving people over here numbers, these kids are dying numbers, you know? Yeah. and you know it's uh, I, I I think I have enough faith that in humanity and maybe it's totally unjustified uh, you know but but uh, that maybe we'll eventually figure this stuff out and just start being cool to each other, you know? Get a sort of, like, H.G. Wells' Days of the Comet thing where, like, everyone's just, you know, lets go of their, their past anger and jealousies and, you know... I think it was the great uh, prophet um, uh, uh, Theodore Logan Esquire oh, yes. and uh, yeah. Bill... Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. If we could I just be excellent to each other. Be excellent like, to each other. Yeah. So, I hate to say it, but you know what um, else can come to an end besides the world is, is our podcast. Oh, man. We're kind of coming close to an end here. Are we really? Well, We I'm have to talk about like five the, other things, don't we? I'm running out of uh, power here. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, I've got 4%. I have, an out, I have a thing for my laptop with it. Okay. Well, we can should, do we, that. should we record this in another? Let's see. We could. <laughs> but one thing I was thinking, Would that everything we don't talk about no that won't work everything we don't talk about now we can talk about another time well but aren't we going to lead into the talk about the communes that's what we should do right now okay all right so let's talk about communes let's talk about self-sufficiency people who've like 
kind of ended their relationship with the world. Yeah. So obviously, um, yeah, man, 4% though. We're going to have to rush this. Um, okay, so there are groups in New Mexico and elsewhere that have already kind of started to try to break away from society and to be self-sufficient and independent. And uh, one of those that we were going to talk about when we thought we had power was uh, <laughs> was the um, the aggressive Christianity missionary training right, cult, right. which um, maybe we should save them for another podcast. I, I you know, feel like, like the, I said, everything that we haven't yeah. talked about this time, we can talk about another time That's and true. kind of get into it. So let's, let's, okay. uh, let's go back to U.S. Grant. Okay, so one of these groups was the, uh, you know, we had, we had communes here in Taos that were like nationally mm-hmm. and internationally famous. Life yeah. magazine profile. Man, some of the photos from those Taos communes are incredible. And looked at as yeah. a sort of a paragon, like a yeah, like this. This is another way to live yeah. in the United States. You can yep. be a hippie and go live in Taos. Mm-hmm. But right outside of Albuquerque, we had the second uh, biggest commune scene in New Mexico and in the Southwest, really, um, which was uh, in Placitas at the northern end of the Sandia Mountains. And there was a guy there who kind of was an unofficial leader of these communes. You know, uh, there are people that would dispute that because right. it was a disparate bunch of people. But um, uh, this guy was something else. He really, like, he believed he was the reincarnation of Ulysses S. Grant. He believed his <laughs> horse was the reincarnation of Ulysses S. Grant's horse. <laughs> he believed also that he was the reincarnation of Vulcan, the Roman god of fire. Oh, okay. Lots yeah. of other things. And um, but anyway, he ended up running for governor and murdering people and oh. escaping and being murdered. And it was just a really huge, crazy, epic story. And in a way, those communes were prepper situations of their own. Well, and I absolutely it, agree. Yeah. It's self-sufficiency. Is yeah, you know. And, and, and it's not a bad rejecting. idea. Yeah. I might do that later in my life, you yeah. know. Yeah. get Maybe get rich as a writer. That'd Don't be awesome. Don't murder people. No, not the murdering part. My suggestion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not the tyrannical Jesus complex. But, um, but you know, just... To try to live simply and, like, you know, apart from these very harmful, like, larger systems that, like, you know, if you have a problem with how society works, like, make your own society. Yeah. I, I think that's not a bad idea. And this and, is a great place to do it. And I think that's actually yeah. something that has drawn people to New Mexico for yeah. a long time is the idea that you can set out and do your own things. But yeah. I think it also maybe magnifies mm. certain negative traits. To- it's true, people. yeah. It's true, yeah. Well, so we should talk about that next episode. Let's should be that. our fifth episode. So let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap things up. I want to thank right. Rock and Taco for turning their music off over here at the Green Jeans Army. Yeah, for yeah. turning their music down. And they thank were so you. cool thank about you. it. They were so cool about it. They're like, yeah, yeah go cool. eat at Rock and Taco. It's by oh. Carlisle and I Forty. I'm loving yeah. this uh, Santa Fe Brewery. I was like, we're recording. You got it. You got it. Could you yeah. turn this off, please? And they were like, of course. They're great. wonderful. They're just great people, and I'm sure the food is good too. Good people. So yeah. thank you yeah. for uh, podcasting it, and we'll check you catch you guys next time. All right. Bye, everyone.